Hello world, I'm your host Brom Shank, and I cannot be more thrilled that Appleosophy Weekly is back for a very special post-Apple event episode. Get ready to unwrap the tech of today with us as we break down everything Apple announced at its jam-packed, spring-loaded event. Today I'm joined by creative pro and personal friend George Elias, and he's mainly here to balk at the lack of RAM at this event. George, how are you today? Uh, I am mildly upset at the new iMac, but at the same time, I'm understanding that the people who are going to buy it are not the uh, my intended market. So, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 basically it. I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm I don't want to say disappointed that Apple hasn't released a 32 inch iMac yet because that's like they just released the. Uh, uh, Mac Mini, MacBook Pro 13-inch, MacBook Air. Uh, the Mac Mini, by the way, we're going to talk about it a little bit, has 10 gig Ethernet, which is a godsend. I've been talking about that since day one on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, no, the uh, the iMac 24-inch, it looks fine. It looks fine. It looks fine. <laughs> yeah, and we're going looks... to get we're going to get into that in a moment. But one question I want to ask you before we unwrap everything: Are you waiting on? A 32-inch iMac, or are you waiting on an iMac Pro? What are you looking for? It, I uh, The last time I was on the podcast, we talked about how your M1-enabled MacBook Pro could do uh, Blackmagic RAW footage at between 12 and 13 frames per second, right? Sure. I am looking for a computer that can do at least 30. Well... If it can do 24, if it can be, do between 24 and 48 frames per second in rendering, that is the computer. I don't care what it's called. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's named the Newton. I will get it. <laughs> How would you feel if Apple released later this year, presumably, a 32-inch iMac with M1? It's gotta, it's gotta have the horses. It's gotta have the horses to back it up, or more apt for Apple, it has to have, uh, it has to be a new car. It but you still buy it. Have, hmm? If it was an iMac or iMac Pro, the name doesn't matter. Can it? Can it? Can I get my job done with it? And but here's the, the thing: is, that's assuming hmm. it only has M1. Ooh. It's still. I don't want to say crippled by M1 because M1 is a blowaway. M1 is M1 is fantastic. It's just. It's just that it doesn't have. It, it like after doing some preliminary testing, it doesn't have the horses for like a heavy desktop workload yet. Yet. But it'll be interesting Ooh. to see, you know, given the higher thermal ceiling, presumably, of the new iMac, what kind of performance M1's going to offer. And we're going to get into that. But first, I'd like to start at the very top of the event, where Apple released their new iPhone 12. In Well, not new. It's been out for six months. But this time, it's available in purple. What are your thoughts on the purple, George? I kind of I like it. Very I very like springy. the purple. I, I like the purple. The one thing that, that it, it's kind of rubbing in our faces is that it's quarantine and the world has basically shut down. So it's basically reminding me of Thanos. It's like you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to rub it in. You don't have to rub it in that we're in quarantine. Like it's it, it's starting to feel like that period between Infinity War and Endgame. Well, you can tell that the new iMac, the new 24-inch iMac is inspired by Thanos with that large purple chin. Yeah, but there aren't any cuts in it, so it's not a butt, 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 chin. <laughs> so purple iPhone, you know, Apple's done purple phones before. This isn't anything new. 
it's kind of a, a, a mid, mid-year uh, rollout for them as far as their mid-cycle. I wouldn't say mid-year. Mid-cycle rollout for them uh, in next months, in the next six months from now. Um, we can expect the iPhone 13, the 12S, whatever they end up calling it. So this is kind of just a, a mid-cycle launch and a new color. Um, again, Apple hasn't has done uh, purple phones in the past, but this this seems more more lavender, whereas the iPhone 11 was more lilac, or is it vice versa? I'm not a colorist. Uh, neither am I. But it's a phone. <laughs> it does incredible things. That's all that matters. See, you can tell you can tell what type of market someone is in based on how excited they are about the colors. Like <laughs> colors, that's cool, but like what can it do? Like I I still to this day believe that the Mac Mini, the M1 Mac Mini is the best not just value but the best computer that they have in their lineup right now. I hmm. like that it's, you know, what do you what would you call that B O Y S B Y O D K M B-Y-O-D-K-M, bring, uh, bring your own display, keyboard, and mouse. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You need the whole works. But again, the Mac Mini still feels like the best deal in computing, especially if you can't afford an iMac. Yeah, well, it's the same. It's basically the same performance, uh, or is it? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know. We're going to get to that later on in the show. Apple officially unveiled AirTags, and holy schmoly, we're finally here. I mean, we've been, I feel like we've been talking about this for two years. It's really only, what, a year and a half that we've been doing this? It's kind of one of those, you know, if you're an Apple fan, it's one of those, oh, finally, moments. Um, but now that it's here, I'm thrilled that it's here. Will you be picking some up? for? I mean, you have a lot of equipment, George. Actually, like, after looking at it, I mean, everyone's going to be comparing it to Tile, so I'm going to compare it as well. I need to see the range of it. I need to see the, uh, like, usability of it. But I probably will. I'm still gonna use Tile for my keys just because I already have it, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna waste the 25 bucks that I paid for it. But for all of my bigger equipment, like I could see, I could see the Apple trackers just be. I imagine that the range is gonna be a lot higher, and the it's gonna be updated a lot more frequently just because there are so many more Apple devices than there are Tile trackers. I was gonna say, so doesn't I, that doesn't that make the range virtually unlimited? Mm, it, it, I mean, it if you lose it in the middle of the forest, by proxy. yeah, and that's for me. <laughs> you have to me, wait till another iPhone rolls around in that same part of the forest. <laughs> <laughs> that basically is me. I could potentially lose stuff in the forest and then never return to go get it. But <laughs> honestly, yeah, I could see myself using the Air Tags. I probably would put some on my cam- uh, cameras or camera bags, but I would rather sew it into the bag than anything else. So that way, people don't know I can track it. For sure. You know, Apple's uh, tagline for this is lose your knack for losing things. So it's an item tracker. It's nothing we haven't seen before, but it has that special Apple Touch. Uh, one pack, just one AirTag starts at $29 and a four pack at $99. Seems like a pretty good deal. Um, interesting thing about this device, it packs Bluetooth Low Energy, otherwise known as Bluetooth LE, and Ultra Wideband for precision finding. Now, I thought they were going to do something cooler with this, like, a, like an AR sort of where you can peek in your own environment and see that it's right under a couch cushion. Uh, the precision finding works off of this ultra-wideband technology, like what we see with handoff for the HomePods, where you can literally tap your phone on top of a HomePod and it drops the song into the speaker, or at least it feels that way to the user. Um, this ultra-wideband stuff, I'm really excited about it. This precision finding thing, again, isn't what I thought it was going to be, 
but it's still pretty cool. It kind of has this little arrow that gives you haptic feedback, leads you in the direction you need to go to find it. And we've seen some early reviews uh, over at CNET and The Verge in particular, and, and they're saying that it works pretty well. I mean, it's a tracker, like the revolutionary, the, the revolutionary uh, aspect of this, in my opinion, is the fact that Apple went with a coin cell battery instead of like a built-in or a, or a non-user replaceable battery. That's just, I totally, oh, there's hope. I, I totally there's expected hope. a non-user replaceable battery on this thing or uh, an Apple branded battery that they only sell in packs of four and it starts at $49. <laughs> yeah honestly that's what like i expected that, like that is a step in the right direction honestly like that, that that's if there's anything to be taken from that feature like from the air tags release it's definitely that well in this device you know despite having a replaceable battery again it's that standard watch slash mini flashlight battery that cr2032 coin cell battery um in addition to this battery which is expected according to apple to last a little over a year um, it'll notify you when the battery is getting low so you can replace it before it's dead and you lose your things forever. Um, in addition to that, um, it's also packing, in addition to that CR2032 coin cell battery, that watch battery, flashlight battery that we're all familiar with, it has this unique uh, two-finger push and swivel thing. It's like a lefty-loosey thing that you do on the metallic back, that shiny back, and then it opens and then you can replace the battery which is really cool. And now Apple is saying this battery will last a little over a year. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty impressed with this. It, you know, it's still distinctly Apple, and Apple's all about the upsell. Um, so in order for this thing to really be convenient, you're going to need to strap it to something. Not a lot of people are just going to want to throw it in their bag or in a little pocket. They're going to want the strap. They're going to want something for their keychain. And again, Apple is all about that. They have a range of accessories, ranging from key rings everything else. Um, Belkin is also in the game, and they're offering some some cheaper accessories. They start at $13, which is pretty interesting. Are you, are you going to attach this to your equipment, George, and use sort of like straps, or do you think you just glue it on there? Honestly, I'm just going to get some duct tape and call it a day. I was just going to uh, say either, that. I'm saying, George, that, either, knowing George... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, knowing me, I'm probably going to duct tape it. Actually, I could see this being useful for um, – I could see this, like I said, being useful for bags just because the range of it's going to be a lot higher. And what I would do is I would take my bags um, and sew it into the back or sew it into somewhere or put it in uh, – Peak Design oh. bags have incredible, like, pockets everywhere. So all I would do is I would just stick it somewhere where no one knows there's a pocket and then just keep, you know, just keep maybe even one or two in it. You never know. And, you know, that would definitely be helpful because I am, I'm not losing my gear all the time, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's misplacing it because when you get to have so much, like I did inventory of my gear yesterday and it's a little annoying how much I have to work with. I'm grateful for it. I'm not complaining. I always use all of it. But it's like, <laughs> oh, I have to set this up and this up and this up. So it would it would help it would help for uh, organization's sake just to know where everything is. I will say there I did put a tile tracker on uh, my card wallet, uh, not my credit card wallet, but my memory card wallet for my cameras. Mm -hmm. And I think I would put, in addition to the tile tracker and Apple tags as well, just because that right there, the card wallet, I don't care what anyone says. At the end of the day, your gear is not important. It's what you shot. 
So I'm going to put it on the card wallet and see if I can, you know, add there it so that go. I don't lose the, the footage or anything. Yeah, as a creative pro, that's really important. Now, yeah. some of these accessories, they have an AirTag leather key ring. And, yeah, that's leather. It starts at uh, $35. And that's not bad for leather. Yeah, it's available in blue, saddle, and product red. They have an AirTag loop. This is like a luggage loop. And that starts at $29. And it's polyurethane. I like how it looks. I like yeah, how it looks. It's like the yeah. smart cover material. Yeah. From the iPad. And then there's also just an AirTag leather loop. So the leather version of this loop starts at $39 as well. Now, they have these outrageous Hermes configurations that range between $300 and $450. I don't know who those yeah. are for unless you're... Yeah. Uh, you're an, you're an elite member of Apple's ecosystem. <laughs> you're an elite member of Apple's ecosystem, or rather you, you, you look at uh, leather as more than cowhide, or you could go straight to Arizona and have someone design it custom for you. I like, tell you, I, I got my, yeah. uh, uh, what is it, my leather sleeve for my MacBook Pro off of Etsy, and it was handmade, and I guarantee, I, I mean, if you take a look at this thing, I guarantee you, there's more craftsmanship and care in this thing than 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 Apple puts into theirs that they sell at mass. So I don't know I don't I don't know if you know about this with my family, but my mom's from Arizona, and every time when we drive out there on the ten, we go through Blight, and they have uh well in in the when the world was opened up and we didn't have to worry about suffering from COVID, we would go out there and we would go see uh we would see the gem shows not just gem shows but like the gem sales because yeah. they have a lot of they would have a lot of copper mines they would have meteorites they would have fossils uh, I have some like just off camera and I'll show it to you after the podcast but they have even at the even at the border between Arizona and California it feels like you're going to another country by the way wow. um it's and like they have some amazing like craftsmen with with leather working. I have a couple belts. Um, I want to get a pair of I want to get a pair of boots made like like true cowboy boots. And it's yeah, I I, I love leather. I love I love the look of it. I love the feel. I love the aesthetic. And I, if I'm gonna be paying three hundred and twenty to four hundred and fifty dollars for a keychain ring. <laughs> I want it to be like handmade. I wanna, I wanna still be able to smell the desert on the leather. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Hermes or Hermes or like Erme or Erma or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you pronounce it, but I'm not gonna be picking one up. But I know people who will. So you know, hey, where there's a, where there's a <laughs> yeah, market, Apple pronounces it Hermes, so I went with that. Hermes, uh -huh. Hermes, Monsieur. <laughs> Um, you know, of course, next up we have Apple's breakthrough new iPad Pro. And the slogan they went with this was the supercharged M1 chip from the Mac stolen for iPad Pro. And I'm going to start off and I say, I love the advert they made for this, where Tim Cook oh breaks gosh, into Apple Park, <laughs> pulls the mask off. I'm probably one of my favorite moments in, in Apple event history, just the way he gets all giddy after installing the M1 on the iPad. I honestly thought that they were trying to go into the direction of some Windows people were stealing their stuff. I was under, like they said, when they were, I was watching the keynote, and he said, uh, oh man, the guy's, the presenter's name, he did a fantastic job, but I didn't quite catch it. He basically said, he basically said, yeah, well, uh, M1 is fantastic, but we're not the only ones who are uh, looking after it or looking to uh, get it. So I honestly thought 
that this espionage guy, this Tom Cruise Mission Impossible type yeah. uh, individual, was trying to steal it and put it in a Windows uh, computer. That would. That's been what funny. I thought they were gonna go. That would have been really <laughs> funny. Yeah, and then and the presenter you're referring to is is John Turnus. Uh, he just yes. got promoted at Apple. We talked about that a little bit a little bit ago on the podcast. Yeah, he's the SVP of hardware engineering. The whole deal. And, Good for and him. this this he's really shown a, a deep appreciation consideration uh, for professionals and their workflows and um, this sort of this gravitation toward uh, adding the IO uh, back to the products and really making them more customizable or at least as much as you can in an Apple way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, now we've got replaceable batteries we've got, is the best uh, way to get all taken. Well, there's that, but then also I alluded to this earlier, and we'll talk about the we're going to talk about the iPad obviously, but I just want to point this out about how excited I am for this. 10 gig networking on the Mac Mini is just a godsend. It is just it means that you can actually use it in a professional setting and not have to worry about running out of ports. Well, I mean, it's picture awesome. server farms with this thing. Oh, dude, I honestly if if Apple doesn't release a the the performance I need in a iMac or an iMac Pro in the next year, I mean, shoot, I might still pick up two Mac Minis and just like like wire them together so that the processing can uh, work together. That would be legendary for your workflow. Yeah, it would. Back to the iPad. Sorry for going on a tangent. <laughs> we're you can tell we're excited. This is yes. the most fun us nerds have. I'm actually excited about the iPad. I'm really excited about the iPad, and I'll tell you in a minute. So the iPad saw a $100 price increase across the board, particularly for the 12.9-inch model. The 11-inch model still starts at $799, and this is presumably because of the mini-LED display that this new 12.9-inch model is packing. And in short, mini-LED offers deeper contrast ratios, more distinct highlights, enhanced color accuracy, and obviously inkier blacks. That's because it has these dim dimmable pixel zones. Now, each LED is 120 times smaller on this new iPad Pro, and they boosted the max brightness from 600 nits to 1,000 nits at max full brightness, which is awesome. This is a truly HDR display. Check this out. When streaming HDR content, it rises above that 1,000 nits max brightness or full screen brightness to a peak brightness at 1,600 nits. So Pro max output XD, on this is 1,000 yeah. nits more than last year's model, which is really cool. And get this, this really stood out to me in addition to this this million to one contrast ratio, which is just legendary on a reference monitor display, not to mention a tablet. We have on this iPad, 2,500 local dimming zones. So if you're comparing this to Apple's Pro Display XDR, which only has 576 full array dimming zones, this $5,000 display. Only. Yeah, only. Yeah. We say that as if it's cute. iPad is packing 1,924 more local dimming zones, and that's how it enables this breakthrough contrast ratio uh, with more accurate color and, and just this this brightness that, that you've never seen before on a screen. Most people haven't experienced it because the only way you can experience it is with these reference monitors like Pro Display XDR that start at $5,000. This iPad starts... Uh, at eleven hundred dollars, and it's packing, you know, a display comparable here's, here's to a five thousand dollar monitor. Here's the thing I love about it. So, 
for those of you, well, all of you can't see it, but I'm going to show Brom because we're on FaceTime right now. This is a 2000 nit monitor that I use when I'm out in the field. Um, it's a seven yeah, inch describe display. It to us. Yeah. So hang on. It's like Brom, Brom's looking at it right now and he can see that it's actually like it's holding up to it. Hang on. Is this at full brightness? Yeah, this is at full brightness. This is 2000 yeah. or 2200 nits. It's ridiculously bright. Um, two things happen when you have a bright screen, you lose quality quality meaning like the the depth in the image and battery life oh actually three things because you also have heat mm -hmm. uh so heat battery life and uh picture quality because just because you're cranking everything up to be that bright it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole image is going to benefit from it you could also you can get a lot of bleed through you can get barn dooring you can get Barn dooring or stage lighting? I don't know what it's called um, for displays, but I say it's stage a... lighting is usually the classic term for that. But where you get that yeah. light bleed, yes, yeah, that light bleed. So I Apple has historically been incredible with their screens, and it's really nice to see that this HDR monitor—that's what I'm calling it. Basically, it's an HDR monitor or an XDR monitor—is with being a touchscreen. <laughs> with a touchscreen. It's amazing. Now here's something. Here's something I'm curious for with the pros. Would we be able to use, um, is it called air display? I don't have an iPad, so I don't know. Is it called air display where you're able to like, uh, uh, sidecar, yeah. sidecar, sidecar. For sidecar. sidecar, yeah, I believe. Would you be um, able to use sidecar, two questions. Would you be able to use sidecar at full speed and over a cable? And would it be able to output an HDR signal? Which makes me think that this could potentially be a thousand dollar monitor that mm -hmm. you could use to master HDR content for YouTube. Well, well, sure. I mean, take a look at what kind of remote workflows this enables. I mean, if you just, if, if I mean, you could buy two iPads and a Mac and have a three monitor display for, yeah. I mean, less than $5,000 than it would cost to get a, a pro display XDR, which is the gold standard. Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, I have some friends who are going to tell me what is it? I think it's the Atomos Neon. I think they're going to tell me either Atomos Neon or Flanders Scientific Monitors are like going to be better on paper. Again, I've talked to uh, every every professional. I think we've established this on the podcast. Professional users of Apple products are quite possibly the most annoying people on Earth. And I am one of them. So they're always going to be complaining about it. I'm just really excited about this. I'm actually surprised that this computer is only, uh, what is it? This computer, or computer, what am I talking about? This, What's a computer, uh, George? IPad. What's a computer? I don't know anymore. Oh my gosh. It's, it's whatever you use to get your job done. There you go. Um, this iPad is only $100 over because, Brom, I think you're going to go over the next highlighting feature. It is equipped with Thunderbolt. Yes. And so to kind of transfer to that, uh, USB-C on this thing, this new iPad with M1, fifth generation, 12.9 inch iPad Pro is packing Thunderbolt support that raises the data transfer, uh, data transfer speed from 10 gigabits to 40 gigabits per second. And what's cool about this is you were asking about using it as a monitor, just a, like a 13 inch monitor. Um, Apple mentioned on stage that it can, in fact, drive a Pro Display XDR at 6K resolution, which is awesome. Which, which is, is absolutely awesome. 
Well, it's not just that because I have Thunderbolt. I have Thunderbolt uh, uh, hubs from CalDigit, and I absolutely love them. They've been the most rock solid hubs that I've ever used. Better than Belkin. Better than OWC. I don't know why everyone likes OWC so much, um, <laughs> but they are absolutely incredible. And the fact that for uh, two hundred and thirty dollars or hundred and eighty, if you get them on sale, you can get a Thunderbolt three enabled dock that has four U four USB uh, Type A ports, five, excuse me, uh, one Thunderbolt, one, uh, two USB C ports, a headphone jack, and a mic jack, an SD card reader, gigabit Ethernet, and does it have? I think it has optical audio and like, uh. 4k 60 out like that right there with an ipad shoot i think i sold myself on it hang on i might i might have to get one george has to take a step back for a moment yeah (laughs) i I have to i have to stop because i have other purchases i have to make but dang it that ipad george george just cut himself and now he's bleeding in six colors exactly well no i'm only bleeding in i'm only bleeding in 5g (laughs) not until you get your vaccine george yeah, oh, right, okay. right, right. I won't have 5G until I get uh, the vaccine. That's correct. Okay, I'm 5G enabled. You're not yet. So slow down. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, stuck on, I'm stuck on wired networking. Yeah, you're ancient. Okay, <laughs> so thickness of this new iPad. This is, where, this is where the fanboys like me start getting a little angry here. 0.5 millimeters thicker, George. What am I going to do? You're going to get those muscles up so that you can carry 0.5 millimeters. And what is it, 41 grams extra? Yeah, it's 41 grams heavier. I mean, how am I going to – that's going to take some training at the gym, dude, because this, this is going to be very fatiguing for me. You know what? Just just, just put more effort in the Peloton. Come on. <laughs> or put more effort Put more effort in the uh, – the what is it? Apple – what is it? The fitness the Apple class fitness, they announced yeah. it at – yeah, I love Apple put, Fitness, just, by the way. I could go off on a tangent about that. <laughs> put more circles. Put more. Uh, fill up more rings in Apple oh. Fitness. Come on, dude. Forty-one. Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this is amazing. I know we're just. I know we're just uh, trolling right now, but quite possibly, yeah. I think this is uh, what it, it was. It Mark Gurman or John Prosser, or one of them. They said that this event is not going to be anything revolutionary or anything spectacular. The iPad Pro, even more so than the iMac, I think is now truly like that was a truly spectacular thing in my opinion definitely my humble opinion definitely i mean this is one of the the best apple events we've seen in in quite a while um shoot i might get one for my sister don't tell her (laughs) on the topic of thickness again 0.5 millimeters thicker and 41 grams heavier and people are saying that they're attributing that to the mini led display it's a hairline thicker basically a little bit heavier not a big deal, not something that everyone is going to notice unless you're a fanatic like me. Um, what's interesting is a lot of people, once they heard this, they were like, wait, it's thicker, it's heavier. Is the current Magic Keyboard that many iPad Pro user, users are using, that Magic Keyboard with trackpad, is that going to be compatible with the new model? Now, Apple's wording on this is a little weird. It's almost like they want to confuse you enough so that you just say, oh, shoot, I'll go buy a new a new keyboard, um, but people are saying from inside Apple that the old keyboard will still work. But interestingly enough, there's a new generation available, whole new model number, everything else like that, that's not available to order yet on Apple.com specifically for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. So is it slightly heavier 
to support that legendary cantilever design, George? 41 grams, dude. If I only <laughs> gained 41 grams, I think I would be happy. Like that, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's almost, you know, it's funny. It, it almost, uh, imagine, they, no, imagine pulling... if you, if you became, uh, 75 times faster than you were 10 years ago <laughs> and only gained 41 grams, <laughs> I would be, I would still be 160 pounds. Oh, and you, and you, you look better than ever because, because you're shining bright with, with your new display. Yes, and and I can connect with people on a faster level. <laughs> we love to personify technology here on Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, ten years ago, wow, ten years ago, Steve Jobs was alive. That's that's incredible. Don't remind um, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's it's funny. It's funny what you're talking about with the case because uh, it reminds me about what they did at the same event with the Apple TV remote. They didn't advertise <laughs> that you could actually use it with other Apple TVs. They just said, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It comes with the Apple TV 4K, which, by the way, I think looks awesome, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But they didn't even mention it at the event. I had to go on their website, and I had to verify from a bunch of other YouTubers that, the like, yeah, no. controversial remote. You could, <laughs> yeah, you could actually buy the remote separately, which is awesome. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I might buy one just to check it out. I'm not oh. one of those people that disliked the old remote. I know I'm, I'm in, I'm... I'm the minority on that, but I'd love to check out. We the have an Apple TV from 2011, so and you, like, you use an iPhone for it, right? Yeah, we just use an iPhone for it. We yeah. have an Apple TV, like I said, from 2011. A dedicated and I, I, iPhone for your Apple TV as a remote. The iPhone 4S. That's there awesome. You go. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's a it, premium remote. Honestly, and it, <laughs> it it's oh, man, I love that phone. That was my first iPhone, dude. I it love was it. Awesome. You know it, the the new iPad Pro fifth generation. Uh, it's packing some interesting things when it comes to the camera. On the rear-facing camera, of course, we have LiDAR, which we saw in last year's 2020 model. But this time, it uses the ISP, the image signaling processor, from the M1 to enhance low-light photography. There's still no portrait mode, but it's interesting to see that, that, that LiDAR is being utilized on the rear camera to enhance low-light photos, given that last year's model, which packed the A12Z, didn't have anything in the realm of LiDAR-related photography. It was just the LiDAR was strictly there for AR. It didn't do anything to enhance photography. So it's interesting to see that they're including that this time. Maybe it was one of those things that the A12Z couldn't handle. Um, that 16-core machine learning engine is sure to help out with that on the M1. And on the front-facing camera, it's packing a new 12 megapixel sensor that's up from seven megapixels, which they've had since 2018. And it has this cool new feature, it's called center stage. And this is this is something similar to what we saw with the new Alexas, those ones, the, the Amazon Echoes that swivel, have a little camera on them that swivels the screen, sort of follows you around the kitchen, things like that. Now this won't turn completely all the way around, but it has this massive, I think it's 120 degree angle, field of view um, and it downscales your FaceTime footage that that's going through this feed back down to the 7 megapixel figure and then pans around a 12 megapixel feed to zoom in and out and as more people join the frame it'll center those people it'll follow you around within this field of view so it's pretty interesting and it also mitigates this whole issue where when you're FaceTiming someone on an iPad 
in landscape mode, it looks like you're never looking directly at them because the camera is on the left. So it kind of mitigates all those issues. People have been complaining about this for a long time. Um, they've been saying, you know, what is the solution to this? Do they just add a second camera in landscape mode or move its one camera to landscape? Most people use iPad in landscape. You know, and the, there was this whole uh, conversation amongst the tech community about how Apple was going to solve this. I think the way they went about it is pretty innovative. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Uh, I'm all for having higher uh, resolution sensors into the cameras just because you can get much... You get a much higher uh, pixel count. You get it's not necessarily better quality because it has to be paired with a good image processor. Yeah, but this is Apple, an ultra they, wide uh, angle lens, similar to something that. Yeah, we'd see. I think it's like the equivalent. I think it's the equivalent of like a sixteen mil, sixteen mil yes. or eighteen mil on a full yes. frame, something like that. Yeah, because when you said one hundred and twenty, I'm like, okay, what does that mean in terms I actually understand? And yeah, so that's like a sixteen mil on a full frame if you're a creative professional or if you have a. If you have like a Canon SL3 or a Sony A6400, that's kind of like having a 10 millimeter lens on it, which is actually pretty wide. Um, I kind of think, I kind of think the like the the center stage feature is very very similar to Animojis or Memojis because you know that people who use it have the iPad Pro. Similar to how you only were able to use an emojis with the iPhone 10. So not it's only is it convenient, that, like, it's a massive flex. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it, it's not it's not it's it, it does it add value to some people's lives, sure, but it's just a massive flex that I Apple, just can't like, wait to give presentations on it. And in fact, Apple oh, yeah, made this totally this cool. center stage uh, available as an API for developers. So apps like Zoom, oh, that's Microsoft cool, Teams can actually adopt center stage in their own app so i i cannot wait to to join a toastmasters meeting with this and, and give a speech i can pace around whatever i need to do it's kind of it's gonna be cool very cool you're gonna be in the black turtle you're gonna be in the black turtleneck jeans and 990 new balances <laughs> while you're pacing around <laughs> i'm still trying to find that chair from the ipad announcement oh man oh man yeah well you said if zoom is gonna enable it well they've got they've got more bugs than uh, um than a shoddy restaurant you know, I, I I don't really have issues with Zoom. People say that I like Zoom. Yeah, it's... better than Microsoft Teams. Anyway, yes. <laughs> the boys up north, George, and I can say that because we're coming to you from Southern California, SoCal life. Preach. Okay. I thought you were talking about up in Richmond. No, not the boys in Richmond. Just the boys up north. The boys in Cupertino. You know, they've they've been a little bit sneaky this past decade or so about RAM in the iPad. They they don't they don't like to disclose it. They don't like to tell us how much RAM is in the new iPad. We have to wait till someone takes it apart. Usually I fix it and then they tell us how much memory we can expect to have in an iPad. But now, now that the new iPad Pro has an M1 chip in it, a Mac chip, Apple has decided to for the first time since the iPad's inception disclose the amount of RAM that it has, right? So here's here's the breakdown. Models at 128, 256, or 512 gigabytes are packing 8 gigabytes of RAM. And then models packing 1 to 2 terabytes are packing double, 16 gigabytes of RAM, which to me is, right now, especially with how great the, the memory management is on iPadOS, overkill for, for a tablet. Not to say I'm not in love with it, but right now, given the current stage of, of iPadOS, it's overkill. 
So unless they bring pro apps to iPad at WWDC, which I'm crossing my fingers for, um, it's really, you're never going to reach the ceiling with this, especially 16 gigabytes of RAM. I think it's awesome. I, I don't think it's overkill. I think it is future-proofing. Yes. And you, you could have, like, look, my my iPad Air, first generation, it died because I dropped it one too many times. And I probably could still fix it. That thing came out in, what, 2014? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2014 for the iPad Air. And it still worked up until, like, two years ago. Shoot, the iPad 2 the iPad 2 with its 30-pin connector. I still my use mom, the iPad 2. Yeah, my mom has hers, and it still works. Like, these devices, say what you will about right to repair, which is a hotly debated topic. <laughs> but if you, like, the performance and the specs of the computer and of the iPad themselves actually can hold up. And iPad OS a lot uh, very similar to uh, very similar to Mac OS and actually more so to Linux in this case. Um, that right there, they have such they have an incredible longevity. My 2011 MacBook Pro is still kicking. I had to hack it a few times. I had to put some new firmware <laughs> in it. But a 2011 MacBook Pro, 10 years later, is still usable as kind of like a web uh, like a web access computer. Like it can watch YouTube an videos. E it can do an e it's a glorified e-machine. It's a glorified e-machine, but it's an e-machine that for the first five years was co going toe-to-toe -to -toe with professionals with 4K video. For which sure. Which says a lot. Yeah. Which says a lot. And the fact that it has 8 gigabytes of RAM on an iPad, it to me is incredible. 16 gigabytes is phenomenal. And if I and now I'm looking at it as a workstation because it's like, okay, I've got 16 gigs of RAM. That's same as my laptop. But because iPad OS is a lot better, a lot better with memory management than a 2012 MacBook Pro running an i7 that cooks eggs. Um, it's <laughs> i7s cook incredible. eggs for a living. Yeah, basically, basically. But uh, oh, Intel. No, it's friend. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I'm genuinely excited to see that there's 16 gigs of RAM in an iPad. Well, and I like what awesome. you said about future-proofing these devices. People hang on to these devices for quite a bit. And, you know, you come to expect a certain level of performance from something that has Pro in the name. And I think by adding M1 uh, with uh, 8 to 16 gigabytes of, of RAM is, is totally worthy of that Pro name. You know, again, I like what you said about future-proofing it. Um if you're if you're going to spend computer money on an iPad, it deserves to last quite a bit, and that's 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 kind of what I've told people. You know, it used to be you know, and iPads are still wildly more affordable than most computers. Um, given that it now packs M1, it's faster than you know ninety nine point nine percent of PCs on the market, but and and you're still paying a lot less. Um, one of the things that stood out to me in particular. And this is the last thing we're going to talk about regarding the new iPad, apart from the white keyboard, which don't buy it. That's going to get so dirty. Um, speaker grills on the 12.9-inch model decreased. They went from 17 holes on last year's model to 11 holes on this model. Again, on the 11-inch model, it went from 13 holes per speaker to 8 holes this year. Now, iPad has legendary sound. Always, It's always been that way for the Pro models. Do you think this is going to affect sound quality, George? Do they stick a larger driver in there, or why are they doing this? 
uh, are the holes themselves larger? That's my first question. It's hard to tell, even renders. We'll have to get it in hand to see. Yeah. Because sounds honestly... really just about pushing air, right? Yep. And quite frankly, I do not care. It could have one giant hole in the back as a subwoofer. Dude, imagine. Uh, one <laughs> giant hole in the back as a subwoofer for an iPad. And honestly, I would be happy. It's just... If you're going to be editing, if you're going to be editing, you're going to be using a good pair of monitors or a good pair of headphones anyway. So, eh, that's your cool. Thun your Thunderbolt-enabled headphones? Yep. No, you're going to be daisy-chaining that. <laughs> I'll be pulling up, I'll be pulling up with my, I'll be pulling up with my uh, wired earbuds, my sure monitors, and, <laughs> and flexing on all the, flexing on all of the uh, AirPods Pro users or AirPod uh, Max users when they have to charge them. Hey, don't offend me. Don't offend me, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's funny because people may watch this show and you say, you know, why do, why do you need to bring attention to things like that? But I, I think there's people appreciate that we get really fanatical about things like that. And we really get into the minutia uh, of these products and really ask questions about why certain things are changed all the way down to the, the speaker grills on a product. It's interesting. We'll have to see what happens with it. So the Apple TV was, was, was just released, the brand new Apple TV 4K, and it's packing an A12 Bionic, not an A12X. So this isn't graphics boosted. This doesn't seem to be gaming centric, and yet they're still promoting gaming on this thing. It doesn't have. It has support for HDMI 2.1, but still no support for 120 hertz. It may add that in the future via a software update. But that's really all there is to say about the Apple TV. Their 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 um, their vision for that product seems a little clouded. I mean, is it for games? Is it for media? Is it for a little bit of both? It's not really really good at any one thing other than i mean playing hdr video assuming you have a 4k tv which most people do at this point i don't <laughs> you'll get there i know i know i will say though that sharp makes a really accurate tv I, that's a very that's a very weird thing to say, but yeah, an accurate TV as opposed to as opposed to a bright or colorful well, television. It's it's you know, an accurate TV. TVs have like one of the shortest upgrade cycles, and some of the lowest margins. That's why Apple won't touch that market. People say, you know, why won't Apple just make a TV? They have the longest upgrade cycles and the lowest margins ever, and that's just not yeah. Apple's, you know, modus operandum. Taking a look at the new Apple TV, it packs a new remote. It actually has physical clickable buttons at the top where that touchpad used to be. It has a power button with an IR blaster to turn on your television, which is really cool. Um, what are your thoughts on this new remote, George? I I don't want to say I wasn't a fan of the old remote just because I've never used it on a daily basis. I've only seen it demoed in the Apple Store when we used to go out in the public in the real world. <laughs> when we used to be um, out and about. Yeah, for the first time in forever. No, <laughs> um, the, the new Apple remote actually looks a lot nicer. And for me, it's like... I can imagine how people can get annoyed and upset with not having enough buttons and the touch screen or the touch uh, pad and nothing. Now you have an iPad or not iPad, excuse me. You have an iPod uh, jog wheel to move things around, to lower the volume, to raise it, a dedicated button to turn it off and mute it. Like that looks. 
Well, what I what I will say <sighs> regarding the new the new remote, it, you know, it it deals away with that whole top portion of the remote uh, being a touchpad, and let me tell you, back in 2015 when they released that that with, with the touch the multi touch pad on a remote, I thought, wow, this is revolutionary. They're bringing their precision multi touch technology to a remote, so you can freely flip through content. That's the way it was demo. That's the way it felt. But quickly, you, you realize there's something about a remote or the way that it was implemented in particular where multi-touch on that Sur remote just felt finicky. It kind of reminded me of like those early 2010, 2011 Android smartphones. Just like this incredible lag on the touchscreen and just this, I don't know how, to, how else to put it, just a finicky... Um, finicky reception to touch i've never used it on a daily basis so i wouldn't know you yeah you really can't comment and you know i think it's genius what you've done with the the, the iphone that's probably better than any remote <laughs> that, it that works. apple can make now but it's important to have a dedicated remote not everybody has an iphone or do they at this point yeah well for me at least for me at least i don't i don't throw out my old tech i fix it or i donate it everything has a purpose and Everything has a purpose, and I, I kept my iPhone 4S because it was, like, obviously because it was my first phone, mm-hmm. and it, it was my first iPhone, excuse me, not my first phone, the first iPhone I had, and I love it, so it's sentimentality to it as well, but also, like I was alluding to it earlier, that was the first, or that was the last phone, I think, yeah, no, it was released the day before Steve Jobs died, so... There's kind of like that, like like it's, a sentimental a value to it, yeah. Well, not necessarily sentimental value, but there, there, it, it's a vestige of an era that completely revolutionized the whole like lifestyle. That's a really and eloquent computing way. Computing brand, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So hey, if we use it for as an Apple TV remote, it's awesome, and it's still like usable. I can't get it to. I can't. I need to figure out how to put a phone number on it. But but shoot, I would. I'd use it as a backup phone. Now, it's important to note that this new remote that Apple created specifically for the Apple TV 4K, you kind of alluded to this earlier, it, it's not exclusive to, to just Apple TV. You don't have to buy a new Apple TV to get this remote. It is sold standalone, and it works with Apple TV 4th generation and later. Um, and it starts at $59, which Chromecast, the boys over at Google... We're, we're kind of poking fun at that. They're like, well, this remote costs more than our Chromecast, our whole player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Apple for you. It's probably going to last like five years, though, the remote minimum. Now, moving forward, we're going to take a look at the new iMac. And this, this was arguably the star of the show for Apple's event. Now, it comes in a range of colors, blue, green, pink slash red. We're going to get into that in a moment. Silver, yellow, orange, and of course, that legendary purple that we saw on the iPhone 12. Now, what are, what are your impressions of these colors? It's quite controversial. The design in general of this computer is controversial. But just colors, what do you think? I think they're good. I personally think that they should have made the front of the computer the dark portion and the back light. Just because... But then it wouldn't match the stand. 
change the change the color configuration shoot yeah. make the stand dark yeah but you know accent colors are in that's what the kids are doing george yeah the kids yeah, like that yeah yeah <laughs> uh no the colors are nice and on a technical level look I don't know why everyone is complaining about how the uh, the iMac looks versus oh I love it I hate it. Honestly, I think it, I think it looks kind of cool. It looks like an iPad. It looks like an iPad with like a uh, the pro stand uh, the pro stand uh, the pro display stand the one that the Apple sold for a thousand dollars extra. Yeah, it looks it. That's what it reminds me of entirely, and. I'm very happy that it comes with a vase mount, which if you don't know, a vase mount is, you know, the thing that you can like connect a TV to a, to the wall. It comes like you can get a vase mount version of the uh, iMac. Honestly, that looks cool. That looks absolutely cool. I can see it being used in schools. I can see it being used with families as long as they get it with a certain configuration, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> I can see it honestly like on an engineering level and on a design level, I think they knocked it out of the park on this one. It does genuinely remind me of the Blue Bubble iMac from 1998, the same year I was born. Why would I remember that? Well, because I have an iMac right here, Jarvis, and it's quite possibly the computer I owe my career to. That and a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Wow. What a statement. The computer that you owe your career to. That's really, yeah. you know, that's really what what Apple means when they say, you know, not only we're we excited about those new products, but we're more excited to see what people are going to do with them. Oh, I've done a lot with this thing, and I've already told you off. I've told you off the the record that I'm going to be turning it into a Frankenstein's monster. There's going to be some. There's going to be some uh, sparks flying, metaphorically <laughs> and possibly physically, with this thing. Now, the new iMac basically, I mean, it looks like uh, a monitor. Again, attached to a thin stand, and it, it it looks, it's funny to say because it still has some pretty, as the kids would say, chunky bezels, um, but it's funny to say it, it does just look like all screen. I know I really can't say that given the bezels, but it looks like this big screen attached to a stand. Now, it's astonishingly thin. It's 11.5 millimeters thin. That's thinner, thinner than an iPhone. Sorry. That is not thinner than an iPhone. It is thinner than two AirTags stacked on top of each other. And it's thinner than the original iPhone, just to give you an idea of how thin that display is. So again, it's 11.5 millimeters thin. Some people were asking, why did Apple put the headphone jack on the side? Why didn't they put it behind? Not only do I think this is more convenient, but there's a distinct reason for this. Check this out. The iMac is 11.5 millimeters thin. And a typical headphone jack is 14 millimeters deep, meaning oh. it has to go through the side because a headphone jack is longer and thicker than the whole iMac. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, aside from the technical stuff and saying that how cool it is like to make it this thin, why? I know. It's one of those things that's just going to sit on your desk, right? Yeah. Not, that's, not that's lots of people like, move it's, their it's iMac. laptop. If it's a laptop, I totally get it, and that's awesome. If it's an iPad, you know, adding a millimeter and adding uh, 41 grams is, you know, some people joke about it, but it's not really an issue. Mm -hmm. But, like, even if they made even if they made this computer 22 millimeters thick, 
no one would have complained. And, and you could have fit I, all those guts behind the screen versus having a massive chin and these crazy borders. Exactly. Exactly. So is it – it's just I, – I think it's, Apple it's, yeah. likes – You know what I mean? They you like to – Yeah, I do. I feel what you're saying. I think Apple um, – you know, you know, it's obviously a tradition for them to embrace the computer, the guts of the computer. And it's really like an artistic expression for them. This this thing's going to look like a little monument on top of your desk. It's going to look like art, because it's it's such a marvel. It's like how did you pack all this into such a thin package? It's I mean it looks pretty. People are going to love it, and that's so distinctly Apple to get fanatical about design and aesthetics. And you know that's why many people love Apple. Um, interesting you know about this. Be, I don't mean to cut you off, but I yeah. just had a thought. I just had a thought for a second. You want to talk about designing and embracing the guts of the computer. The iMac, the original iMac was transparent. Yeah, make so a translucent you, model. So, yeah, well, no, I'm serious because I've pulled apart I've pulled apart many iMacs in my day and put them back together safely and securely. Brahm, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> um the I honestly that would actually be a really cool skin if someone were to do a flat lay of like the monitor like a d brand skin or something that yeah like a d brand skin or like a d D brand uh skin of just where all the 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 parts and pieces of the computer are underneath the chin honestly like if you want to talk about embracing the guts i think that would be a really cool thing definitely and i and i think you know in its own way um you know, I didn't know what to think when I first saw this computer. I'm like, wow, that looks different than I thought it was going to look. And I think that was the initial. We'd seen so many renders and things like that, uh, particularly by John Prosser. Um, you know, it, it looked different than we all thought it was going to look. But that doesn't mean it looks bad. And it's kind of like no, a weird thing it, it does in your brain where you're like, wait, what is this? Wait, that's not what I wanted it to look like. That's not what I anticipated, yada, yada, yada. And then once your, brand, your, your brain goes through that process – and you really just look at it objectively. To me personally, it's starting to grow on me a lot. Even those white bezels that they use, which are white which bezels. were quite controversial. I think it's, it's be- it keeps it it's fine bright and playful, especially with those colors. Yeah, I mean white bezels are fine. Like I don't have anything to say. I have I have the 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 previous model iMac, and it's very like the bezels are about an inch on every side, except for the bottom chin, where it's like like almost in, like two and a half inches which is fine i never really i never really cared about the bells see that's the thing like this is this thing doesn't like and and brahm just saw me scratch my head so i'm like kind of confused about this <laughs> i don't aside from the aesthetics of the computer itself i don't necessarily see the bezels as an issue like okay cool the bezels are the bezels are two inches thick that mm-hmm. does mean that there's less room for screen real estate i i understand that but i mean I'm looking at the screen. I'm not looking at the bezels when I'm trying to get work done. Um, if personally, if Apple were to release like an iMac Pro and it had the exact same design as the um, as the current iMac, or current the one that was released a few days ago, honestly, I would not complain. If it's as long as it's got the horses to back it up, as long as it has a I don't want to say black bezels, but um, as long as it has something neutral, because white is fun, yeah. But but like when you're trying to do color work, it's a little bit more difficult when you have a white bezel. It's not even about being color accurate; it's just eye fatigue. Yes. Um, yeah, so just put like I don't know, gray, like eighteen percent gray uh, bezels, like or put yeah. something something black, something something you know, a little space more gray, yeah, neutral. 
something neutral and then call it a day that's it but i mean i mean to my point about embracing the computer you know i mean even if you're not a computer geek about this like us anyone can look at this and see wow it's just a screen with some speakers and a computer a logic board attached to the bottom so it it really feels like it's as much screen as it can be and they're embracing the guts of the computer by saying look at this this bottom part right here this strip is the whole computer the rest is just a ribbon cables and a breakthrough screen and it, it's kind of kind of interesting to, to think that anyone could look at this whether you're a nerd or not and say wow that's the display and that's the computer those are the speakers and all you have to worry about is using it powering it on it's like it's kind of like it like a modular approach yeah you feel I mean, like you we'll know see. the computer yeah oh absolutely I, and like i mean like i said i i do like the design of it but it's quite different from apple's all-in-one approach both with hardware and design because past versions of the iMac were meant to I don't want to say fool you thinking into thinking, but we're meant for people to perceive this as just a, a a beautiful screen, and also it has a great computer that we tried to hide in there. I can kind of see that, especially it's, with the external power supply. Yeah, it it was kind of they wanted people to embrace a wonderful screen. Like for the first, their first thought was, how could they make a screen you know this thin and then also have a computer in it? For many people. But, you know, after over 12 years of not changing its design, uh, people were, were highly anticipating this new iMac. Lots of people that were in the market for a 21 and a half inch iMac and didn't want to go with Intel i3, <laughs> which oh is gosh. laughable. That's, that's insulting, using now, that anyway. Now, here's the thing, George. Apple is touting a baseline configuration for this iMac that doesn't have Ethernet, sadly and it starts at 1299 for a 256 gigabyte ssd solid state drive and eight gigs of ram with a seven core gpu instead of the other the other bend uh eight core gpu that we see particularly on m1 now before we get into the ram which i mean I want to laugh out loud that they that they're they're packing eight gigs of RAM, only eight gigs of RAM in twenty twenty one. I mean, it, it's a total joke, totally laughable, even at this price point. Um, I want to add that the M one that we see in an iPad Pro is still packing that eight core GPU. So theoretically, if if we're just looking at this as specs on paper and we're not looking at things like thermal design power. Theoretically, if you were to buy an iPad, whether it's a, a new iPad, whether it's an 11 inch or 12.9 inch model, that iPad will overpower your iMac, given that 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 extra GPU core, which I mean is kind of sad considering how much money you're spending and the fact that it's a desktop. We'll have to wait to see benchmarks, but you know, aside from the eight gigabytes of RAM, which I don't know how much you know attention you want to give to that, given given how disappointing that is. What do well, you let's think? Look at, let's let's look at this for a second. We were celebrating and raving that the iPad has eight gigabytes of RAM and up to sixteen, which is incredible for an iPad. Yeah, I think the issue here. I think the issue here is that when you're comparing tablets to tablets, the iPad is in a class in and of itself. It is. Yes. 
there is nothing that touches the iPad. I have not seen a uh, Android-based tablet in, oh my gosh, in almost like six years. Well, Google and, actually bowed out of the tablet game. They said they released a PR statement basically saying, you know, we're out. We lost the game. We couldn't compete. Yeah. I haven't seen, and yet everyone is picking up iPads because of mm -hmm. how incredible they are. And it's true that they are fantastic because they are in a class of themselves. When you're in the desktop arena, you're going up against, and I hate to say this, Intel Nux. Mm -hmm. And yes, Intel does run hotter. Yes, they do draw more power. Yes, they all, all it is Intel, and you're not going to be able to get the Apple. You're not going to be able to install it on um, Mac OS on an Intel machine, but you could possibly run Linux, and that's kind of what I'm uh, equating it to here. Um, you could still get higher performance. You can still absolutely get higher performance elsewhere for the same money, if not cheaper, mm -hmm. in something that is user upgradable. So <sighs> the base model. And wait, what what can you configure it up to? Is it like half a terabyte, eight uh, eight core each, and then with gigabit Ethernet? Which, by the way, on the base model, not having Ethernet doesn't really bother me. Just no, because, most like, people are going to use people, wireless. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't really especially bother me, in, but a, like, in a in a prosumer yeah. model like this. I know we're the community is dubbing these models as prosumer. Um, yeah, it's sort of in the middle. You're you mean you're not highly professional, you know, i iMac Pro or Mac Pro user, but but you're you're average consumer looking to dip your toe into the pro pool kind of thing yeah or you use some baseline design and editing tools this will or be you perfect. just want a larger screen yeah or if you just yeah some people want an imac for a larger screen but again as you stated this is configurable up to 16 gigabytes of ram and then when you do that you'll gain the benefit of ethernet which is integrated into the power brick and what's interesting about this is Another reason why they were able to make the iMac so thin is because it doesn't have integrated power. You you kind of plug it in like an iPhone. There's a power adapter and then a cord that runs through it, and it transmits uh, 130 watt power. Now, zeroing in on that, George, talking specifically about that 130 watts that's driving this display, driving this computer. What can you say about thermal design power? I mean, we haven't seen any benchmarks. But in terms of what the thermal ceiling is going to be like for this computer, can we see monumentally better benchmark numbers because of the higher thermal ceiling of an iMac? So here is what I took from, you know, doing some reading up on some reviews and reading up on some of the insight on on um, the power supply. There's two there's two schools of thought. The first one, which in my opinion, you know, picking the one with the fewest assumptions with Occam's razor, I think this one's probably the most likely situation. Apple wants to design one. Uh, Apple wants to design one power supply to rule them all. Mm -hmm. That way, you could take a power supply from a 24-inch iMac and work with it on a 27-inch iMac. They or a 30 or a excuse me, 32-inch iMac, d depending on whatever the rumors say it's going to be. Like that to me seems to be the most likely situation. So in the future, when we do get a higher performance iMac, it's going to be drawing about 100 watts or 120 watts with uh, uh, consistency uh, consistently when you put it under load. Now, here is the other aspect that I'm really interested in. And I'm very, I don't want to say like 
hopeful for, but it's it, it is because of the thermal design. Because the MacBook Pro mm-hmm. and the Mac Mini both only have one fan, and they're able to get such incredible performance. The iMac with two fans, I don't think these are the exact same. I don't think they're going to be clocked the same way. Because why would you, I mean, aside from the first point that I made, um, why would you put a 130-watt power supply in something that only draws 5, 7 watts? I mean, Yeah, yeah 10 to screen, 15 watts. 10 to 15 watts, exactly. So 10 to 15 watts for the, pro, for the SoC. You know, the screen probably draws another 50. Uh, the, what is it? The, the speakers probably draw another 20. So you're only sitting at about, I mean, even under max load, maybe like 85, maybe 90 Watts, you still have 40 Watts of headroom. Even if Apple were to, and this is what I'm hoping that they did. And I cannot confirm this. And I'm just really interested to see (laughs) if they actually implemented this. I have to cover my bases here. Um, I wonder if they increased the TDP, which is like the something, something thermal, whatever, like the amount thermal of design power, power that it uses. Yeah. Thermal design power, exactly. I wonder if they went from 15 watts to 25 watts. Well, on and, the and this SOC. is M1 that we're talking about. So we've seen benchmarks on this, and it's, it's clocked at uh, 3.2 gigahertz. Well, the gigahertz rating to me does not matter anything. You could have a 3 gigahertz i3 be smoked by a 2 gigahertz i9. That's like very gigahertz, true. Gigahertz only tell you how many operations it's doing per second. It could be adding 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2, like, infinitely. Or it could be doing, um, like, the quadratic formula. Like, it, 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 just, depends on how, it just depends on what those equations are mm-hmm. and how, uh, like, you can, you can tolerate, not tolerate stuff, but how you can execute them. Uh, mm-hmm. Apple, famously, when they used to hate Intel back with the G3 days, I don't know if you remember this advertisement, um, yeah. or on the keynote, their Apple's, um, Apple had a keynote talking about how Intel had a 2 gigahertz processor, mm-hmm. and then uh, the iMac was only, what is it, 433 megahertz or something, and yeah. yet it was still smoking, it was still smoking the Pentiums. It was because their architecture was completely different. Same thing in this situation. So we can't we can't really compare gigahertz or clock speed on this. I'm just interested to see if they're actually dr- driving more power into the M1 SoC because that right there could mean that it's, we're going to get more performance than initially anticipated. And only time will tell. It'll be interesting to see those benchmarks. Probably by Monday we'll see something, I would think, are, given that you can order it next Friday. Are you going to be picking one up? You know, you know I'm conflicted here because uh, you know, I purchased a, I needed a Mac in my workflow. I purchased a new Mac particularly. Uh, I purchased a M1 MacBook Pro, and now I'm thinking to myself, am I ever going to take a laptop outside of the house as we return to normalcy if my iPad has M1? Probably not. So I'm probably better off selling my M1 and buying an iMac. I mean, at least that's an option. You know, it's different different things that I've been thinking about because, I mean, really, I, I wanted to, I was waiting to upgrade my iMac until they made the transition to Apple Silicon. And this MacBook Pro has filled that void for me. But I, you know, I, may, I mainly only use a Mac at home. Anywhere I'm gonna, anytime I'm going to go anywhere, I'm, I take an iPad. 
Um, and now that my iPad has the power of M1, is there really a reason to have a second computer with M1 that doesn't offer a larger screen that I'm only going to use at home mainly? So it, it's one of those things where, you know, I have to run through run through some things in my head, but I, I might be picking up a new iMac. If I were you, and this is just my humble opinion, if you don't care about the colors, I would pick up a Mac Mini because for half the price, you're getting a computer just as powerful, if not more powerful, because of the 10 gig networking. Yes. And and you can pick up a still a really good 4K display. It's only like it, 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 assuming you want to get something incredible. Yeah. Three hundred. Three hundred and fifty bucks, four hundred dollars for a monitor, which is a really, really good deal for a four K monitor, and like a like a nice one, like a BenQ, and then plug it into your Mac Mini, and then once you upgrade your system, let's say you upgrade to a let's say the twenty seven inch iMac becomes available, and you say I need that, you have two monitors now, and you have a Mac Mini, you could double as an Apple TV. That's just how I would do it, because then yeah. you're spending the same amount of money and getting better performance. That's that. That's definitely a, a a smart option, because it's expandable. And like you said, we were talking about earlier, finding uses uh, for older products in your workflow. Exactly. Well, George, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this very special episode of Appalachia Weekly. Um, this is a special episode. We weren't we weren't expected to return until next week. So thank you for joining us for Happy a bonus on episode. Board. I knew you were the man to talk RAM. <laughs> on max yeah well i i push i push my computers to their absolute dang limits and uh should i should i allude to your audience what i'm going to be doing to my imac uh assuming that it's actually possible well here's a question will you be documented in if you're going to be documented on instagram we could integrate the two the two yes, segments I'm here absolutely i'm absolutely going to be documenting it okay george will be documenting it let the people know where they can find you, particularly on Instagram, and then tell Absolutely. us what you're going to do. Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at GW Photograph, last letter E, so GW Photography. And what I'm going to be doing is, because Intel stagnated with their innovation, Ooh. yeah, and I'm, I'm calling it out like it is, they're, they are using the same socket as their quad cores with their eight cores and their motherboards have certification for two years or two gener cycles, uh, like generation cycles of processor compatibility guaranteed. Okay. Which makes, which makes me think that my 2017 iMac with a quad core I seven, I could potentially keep in mind. It's the same TDP potentially sneak in an I nine 9,900 K. I might be able to do that and get eight cores and with that, the extra bandwidth for 128 gigs of RAM. Ooh. I As Wozniak would say, you're trying to jack it up. I am trying to jack <laughs> it up. And I'm not going to be performing this. I'm not going to be performing this upgrade until I have an M1 enabled workstation okay. in the event that I do screw something up. So I'm not going to be doing this anytime soon. However, before the end of the year, if Apple... Apple's probably not going to release it this year then. <laughs> if they hear this, they hear this, they're going to see some random kid in Southern California is going to be modifying his uh, iMac. 
stop production. Not stop today. production. Not today. Not today. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, go ahead and follow am, George so you can tune into that. Uh, once I get an M1 enabled uh, iMac or an iMac Pro with the horses to back up my workflow, I'm definitely going to be tearing apart this or taking apart, excuse me, my iMac, plopping in an i9 uh, octa-core and seeing if there is any performance. Maybe there's something I'm not considering. Maybe there's some validation that doesn't work. I don't know. I genuinely think if this does work, if it works, yeah. this could breathe another two years out of this machine Ooh. for in a consistent workflow, which is incredible. I'm going to let the people know where they can find me. They can find me on Instagram over at the, that's the word, the, the word official, and then my nickname, Brahmi, that's the official Brahmi, the official B-R-A-H-M-Y. Again, find me on Instagram. Find me on Twitter at Bromshank. That's B-R-A-H-M-S-H-A-N-K. I'd love to chat really with you guys. Twitter. You like my Twitter? Yeah, you're I'm flattered. Good. That's a compliment coming from you. <laughs> friendship. So much friendship. George, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next week. Thank you for wrapping the tech up today with us. Have a good one.